Welcome to Pedagog, a podcast about teachers talking writing. I'm your host, Shane Wood. Pedagog is designed to amplify teacher-scholar perspectives on teaching writing and composition across contexts and positions. The purpose of this podcast is to promote the diverse voices at various institutions and celebrate the labor teachers do inside and outside the classroom. If you have a second, subscribe and follow us on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you like the podcast, please feel free to leave us a rating or a review. You can also find us online at pedagogpodcast.com and on Twitter and Instagram. In this episode, Ryan P. Shepard talks about teaching for transfer, a TFT approach for graduate composition classes, digital literacy and multimodality in first year writing, and using Reddit in class to teach students about discourse communities. Ryan P. Shepard is the incoming Director of First Year Composition and Associate Professor of English at Northern Illinois University. His work explores the connections between writing for school and writing outside of school, particularly on social media. His work has appeared in Computers and Composition, Composition Studies, Kairos, Composition Forum, and elsewhere. He is currently finishing work on a co-edited collection with Carapo Alexander, Matthew Davis, and Lillian Mina on multimodal composition and writing transfer, expected to be out later this year or early next. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. You recently co-wrote an article in Composition Forum published in 2021 called Beyond Osmosis, Developing Teaching for Transfer Pedagogy for Graduate Classes in Composition. You write, quote, studies that explore theoretical approaches to graduate pedagogy beyond the practicum are rare. Those that rely on empirical approaches to evaluate these pedagogical methods do not seem to exist, end quote. I was hoping that we could start by giving you some space and time to talk more about this article, the motivations behind it, and what you hope readers and teachers will take from it. Yeah, the the article is actually part of a two-part series. So there's an earlier one that was in composition studies that was a curricular design article. And um, both uh, both articles were written uh, by mostly the same team, although one uh, co-author dropped out for the composition forum because he was writing his dissertation. Um, part of the motivation for writing the article was weirdly continuing what happened in the class. And so um, the, the class is based around uh, history and theories of composition, which is uh, coincidentally a class I'm, I'm teaching again this semester. And what we were doing when we were doing the curricular design article was trying to actually engage in some of that learning transfer. I was trying to get, so I I got some of the students from the class and I got them to co-write the article, getting them to think specifically about how we would be able to do that better. How, if we were to redesign this curriculum, how would we get students to think about ways that they're connecting their, what they're learning in the class to their teaching or research or personal lives or wherever outside of the class. And so that was one of the motivations for it initially was just taking that, from my perspective, obvious next step of instead of just saying, here, let's reflect on ways that you can use what we're doing in the class in other contexts, let's actually do it. Let's actually use it in a different context. And by the same token, it was a way to kind of apprentice those graduate students into scholarly writing, because um, at the time that that the first one was written, I don't think any of them had written a scholarly article before. So it was also just a way to do that. I always try to have at least one article that I'm currently working on 
that's co-written with graduate students for that reason. And so it was also doing that. But of course, there's also the additional scholarly reason that we're writing the article. And um, that's to get at a bigger issue that I've noticed in, in composition studies more broadly, which is that we do a lot of theorizing about undergraduate composition education. Um, and we do almost none about graduate uh, composition education um, beyond maybe the TA seminar. I mean, like sometimes there's some articles about the TA seminar or there's Sydney Dobrin's book that focuses on the TA seminar. Um, but aside from that, there's just not that much. There's often this kind of um, assumption that graduate students will just get it. Like, and I mean, to, to an extent that's, that's true. I think if you get to graduate school, you're probably already a good student. You're good at school. Um, and if you're good at school, that means that you probably have kind of an intuitive sense of making connections across contexts, that you're able to see the ways that something connects to other things. And I think especially in English studies, uh, people are a lot of times trained in means of analysis that, that work toward that kind of connection. And um, so a lot of us, when we start teaching graduate school, teaching graduate classes, we have this assumption that, um, well, we'll just show them the articles, we'll talk about them, and they'll get it. And that's all that needs to take place. So especially in that composition forum article, what we did was we went around and we uh, interviewed uh, nine people that teach composition classes at the graduate level about the, the way that they do it and the way that they try to build those connections. And some of what we found was that um, none of them, none of the nine mentions uh, learning transfer explicitly, but they were all kind of engaging in it in certain ways. They were, they were doing things to try to place the content of the class in research context or in teaching context or sometimes in both. And um, so they, they did have these activities and mechanisms that were set up to do that. And it was pretty easy for us to find that, that stuff because almost everybody mentioned it almost without prompting, but people were not doing that intentionally. We're not, we're, we're not intentionally trying to build that way of thinking into their classes. So the last question in the interviews, I, I did all those interviews. The last question of the interviews that I asked them um, was, how does learning transfer factor into your graduate education? And almost every time people were like, oh, yeah. It, it, meaning that they, they hadn't even thought about how it factors into, into their graduate education classes. And so, um, yeah, it, it, it was kind of that thing. Part of the purpose of the article is getting people to just explicitly think about learning transfer when they're designing graduate education. And maybe to a larger extent, um, trying to get scholars uh, who teach graduate classes to just theorize about graduate education a little bit more and maybe test out their pedagogy in the ways that we do with graduate educate undergraduate education. So, I mean, we have so many pedagogies now where people have taken that more um, systematic approach where we have actually looked and assessed our pedagogy and seen whether or not we're meeting our outcomes. And we just don't do that for graduate education. So, um, that article also just kind of serves as a springboard for that conversation, which is hopefully something that I can return to in the future. Um, I'm hoping to come back to maybe talk to more graduate instructors about ways that we can build that out, ways that we can explicitly try to work toward theories of graduate education and composition studies, instead of just re relying on um, one of the 
interviewees that I had that I recall called it osmosis, just just assuming that it's going to happen. And so uh, trying to move beyond that just idea of osmosis and trying to figure out different ways that we can do that, because I don't necessarily think that the adaptation that we did, the teaching for transfer model that we used for that article is the only possible model. I just think that it's one that seemed to be pretty effective based on what we did. You mentioned teaching this graduate course called History and Theories of Composition. Do you mind talking more about this class and what it looks like to use a teaching for transfer approach? Maybe walk us through that model for graduate education. And so basically what I did was take the the three main pillars, um, that teaching for transfer model that's used in undergraduate education, and I adapted it to uh, I shifted it slightly to a graduate education model. And so um, in the, the undergraduate version um, that uh, Yancey Robertson and Tazak first started and now has been adapted across to a bunch of other people, um, you start with uh, keywords and you uh, add in reflection and you build to a theory of writing are the three pillars. And so um, I did that same thing, for, but for graduate education, changing it slightly. And so um, instead of just keywords, um, I had them try to build out like the main concepts of uh, composition studies. And to do that, um, I, had a, I had a number of articles that they read about various important concepts. And then about halfway through the course, I had them read Naming What We Know so that they can kind of just like get all of those concepts in like a single go so that they understand that writing is a social activity and that writing is multimodal and that that all of those things that are in naming what we know um so that's that's how the keywords get adapted basically the keywords get adapted to threshold concepts so it's it's the same kind of purpose though the keywords are serving to have like the same vocabulary around writing that everybody can talk about. And that's kind of what I'm hoping to do with the threshold concepts thing too, is get my graduate students to have this same set of theories that they can they can rely on so that everybody is kind of talking about the same things. We all understand writing is multimodal. We all understand writing is social. Um, so there's that. Um, then there's the reflective element and um, that's built in throughout like every part of the class. It starts on the first day. And the first thing, one of the first things that we do is I have them answer 10 questions about their stances on important things uh, in composition studies from my point of view. Uh, things like what is the purpose of first year composition and how should we study composition and uh, how best do we, you, what best research methods do we use when studying composition and, and that kind of thing. And I tell the students right up front, this isn't a test, that it's not um, something that I even expect you to have a full answer or any answer for. In fact, you can write, I don't know. Or uh, one of the students this time just put the shrug emoji for some of the answers. And so, uh, yeah, and, and that's perfectly okay because the purpose of those questions is not answers. The purpose of those questions is thinking, is getting to you to reflect about what it is that you want to know. So what knowledge do you already have? How can you build on that knowledge? What knowledge don't you have? Where can you get that from? And how can you build these kind of bigger theories of composition? Um, and we do we return to those questions regularly throughout the class. We step back and try to reflect on those things and kind of craft theories of teaching writing, generally theories of teaching first year composition, theories of thinking about outcomes, theories of research as the class moves along. Uh, the final project is a theory of composition studies. And so instead of 
um, what Yancey Robertson and Tazak do uh, in making a theory of writing or a theory of composition. Instead, um, I'm having them make a theory of the field, what they think that composition study means, co composition studies means, and how it applies to their specific teaching, to their specific research. And um, yeah, and, and they give me something that at the end, I always tell them is not really an end for the course. It's kind of a starting for their career. <laughs> that instead of trying to set up something that like summarizes what they've learned this semester, what I'm trying to do is kind of um, get them to set up the scaffolding for how they can continue to build their ideas as they move on out and become a teacher and a scholar uh, moving and an administrator moving forward, trying to think about these ideas and what they mean to them and what they mean to their specific content. Your teaching and research interests also focus on digital literacy and multimodality. How do you invite students to explore multimodality in first year writing? What does it what does it look like? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think that, that that's a really central question that I don't think that we as a field have really grappled with enough. And I know that that's weird to say because it seems like that's in everything now. But uh, I think that we still have this kind of idea that multimodal writing and traditional writing are two things. And I just don't think that that's true anymore. I think that all writing is multimodal. And I think that not acknowledging that is, is kind of problematic. And so that's the stance that I take in first year writing is that the assumption is that everything that you do for the course is going to be in some ways multimodal. And so um, from the very first class, uh, I have them start incorporating things like screenshots and uh, images and links and audio and video into anything that they're writing for the class, that if it's appropriate, if it helps you to make the point that you're making, that you should include that. And um, in the very first major assignment that they have, um, one of the things in my first assignment that I have for first year writing, what I have them do is explore a familiar discourse, something, some group that they are already embedded in, in some way, um, something like a part-time job or uh, a religious organization or a sports community or any kind of club or whatever that they're already a member of and they already understand the discourse of really well and have them break it down and kind of re-explain that discourse in meaningful ways for somebody that might be new that wants to join that discourse community. Um, the purpose being to understand partially that writing is really con contextual, but also to understand that writing is multimodal because uh, every, I don't think that we've come across a single one of those discourse communities where that didn't include genres that were beyond just, just regular traditional text. Um, all of them will be using images or sound or whatever else to make meaning in those contexts. And they have to explain those things too. So for example, uh, I had somebody that worked at a, a pizza place um, and she was explaining the discourse of that community. And she explained a couple of things like the fact that when a certain order was made, a bell was ringing in, in the restaurant. And then people had to go and make that order real quick for it. And so they knew that the bell meant go do that thing. Or the fact that on tickets, they didn't write exactly what people had ordered. They would say pizza and then draw these three little symbols beside it, which meant pizza with these toppings on it. It was just like a quick shorthand for it. And she, she had to record the bell ringing and she had to uh, take uh, pictures of the 
tickets that had the symbols on them and then break them down for us. And so um, that's the way that it's incorporated and it, and it continues on throughout the class. So that my, my second assignment is then exploring an unfamiliar discourse so that they can apply what they learned from their familiar discourse to something new. And those unfamiliar discourses also usually always have some kind of non-linguistic text as part of it too. So um, people a lot of times um, do online communities for the unfamiliar discourse. So, and then the final assignment is um, finding a problem in the local community and trying to solve it. And that, and they actually have to send it directly to an audience that has the power to, to solve it. And um, that usually means also some kind of multimodal thing. So uh, for example, somebody wanted to change the location of uh, where the um, ATMs are on campus. And so uh, they needed to go around and take pictures of where the ATMs were on campus to be able to say, here's where they are. There's a space over here that's much better trafficked and would be easier for us to reach. Can we move it over here? There's nothing there now that would fit. And so they had to take pictures of both areas to be able to demonstrate to the, I think it was the facilities manager that they had to talk to for that and, uh, and demonstrate that. Or somebody, our, our campus has uh, relatively few of the blue emergency poles on campus uh, relative to other campuses near us. And uh, so they went around and took pictures of all of the places where the emergency poles were um, and took pictures of all of these areas that were dark and far away from the emergency poles to try to demonstrate to the safety officer on campus that, yeah, there is an actual exigency to put more of these out there because we have this long stretch of dark area where we had a lot of violent incidents and we need a pole there. And so um, that's one of the, th those are all ways that multimodality is integrated. One point that I'm trying to make with this like big long-winded thing is that I don't see uh, multimodality as being a separate thing that I'm teaching. It's just part of the literacies of the entire class. It's, it's, it is the writing that I'm teaching. Digital writing is just writing at this point. It's, it's not a separate thing. So you mentioned this assignment where students can examine online communities and discourses I know you draw on Reddit. I'm thinking about your article in Kairos called What Reddit Can Teach Us About Discourse Communities. In this article, you write, quote, Reddit can also remind composition teachers of the embedded and living nature of discourse, end quote. Can you talk more about what Reddit can teach us about discourse communities and the ways teachers can use this platform to talk about writing with students? Yeah, that's really important to me. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I include that assignment. And um, although I use Reddit, I think that you could probably do it with almost any social media platform. Um, and the the main purpose of it is to demonstrate writing in context. So um, what the students do in my Reddit assignment is they find a discourse community um, that they want to join uh, subreddit within Reddit, one of the smaller uh, communities that's focused on a, a specific topic within there. And then they have to figure it out. So they have to they have to read posts and they have to read comments and they have to figure out what's valued within that community. What do people want in good discourse within that community? And then they have to do it. And so they they actually have to go in there and make comments and make posts. And so they quickly learn if they got it right, if they figured out the genres of the community because it is a live to discourse. People are actually posting in that space every day. And if people get it wrong, they're just gonna get downvoted or they're gonna get weird comments. 
and then it becomes kind of a, a social scientific exercise of figuring out how to do it right um so that they have to go back in there and repost and see if they can get something that gets positive reactions in some way somebody somebody responds to them or they get uploaded or whatever else uh within the community and so i think that it's really useful um a lot of times the assignments that we have for class are, have you read elizabeth wardle's piece mutt genres um uh, genres presents this idea that a lot of times what we're doing in writing classes is presenting these genres that aren't real genres, that they're not things that are used in any actual context. And so what I'm trying to do is, even though it's relatively small scale, is get them to recognize real genres within real spaces so that they can turn around and do that in other spaces too. So they recognize that the genres of their major are also a living discourse, or the genres of their part-time job or living discourse, or the genres of their future career or living discourse, and be able to see that and break that down. I, I do want to say that I do this explicitly. It's not just, I hope that they catch it. It's that um, we actually talk about the ways that what we're doing on Reddit connect to entering these other discourse communities too, and trying to figure out the ways that that discourse, communities, uh, that discourse community engages with language and with genres in different ways. And figuring out that, you know, in biology, we value this kind of discourse. So that's the kind of discourse that I'm trying to replicate. Or even, I mean, you don't necessarily have to replicate it exactly the, the discourse that I'm trying to modify, but somehow fit within. And just trying to understand those ideas. So that's that's basically what I'm trying to do there, is trying to get them to get embedded on a small, relatively safe scale in Reddit. and break it down so that they can figure out how to join it, how to become an actual member and be able to explain that process. And um, it's extremely rare at this point, I've been teaching this for a long time. It's extremely rare at this point that someone's not able to do it. People usually can eventually figure it out. Although there's often really great hiccups along the way. So like people, every semester somebody gets banned, for example. So they, they, they join their community, and they post something that's well outside the rules. And I always say that this is a great learning experience. You have figured out exactly what they don't like. And, and now you can use that information to maybe figure out what would work better next time. And so getting bans uh, happens regularly, but it, it ends up being a useful experience for them. So yeah, I, I really love that assignment. I've been doing it now for She's almost 10 years now, I think, some version of this assignment for almost 10 years, although it's it's changed a lot during that time. And yeah, that's the main reason why, is trying to get them to figure out that, that lived discourse so that they can kind of connect that to the future context. Too. Thanks, Ryan. And thank you, Pedagog listeners and followers. Until next time.